0: Praise God. Now, right in the, in the very beginning of, our, of our, um, our message today, I've got to mention or give honorable mention to Pastor Dwayne one more time because I promised Pastor Dwayne that we would pray for him this morning, and we did. Pastor Dwayne, prayer went up from this place for you that God would deal with these kidney stones. And if you've ever had kidney stones, you know you want God to help you. Amen? and to deal with them so we love you pastor Dwayne, just like we love pastor kumar and we've gotten friends all over the world now that tune in with us online Uh, we got real busy after this pandemic thing started and we uh, began to preach six or more times a week if you consider the morning times that we're together at 8 a.m we share scripture We share prayer time and we share a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus and some notes from the pastor's desk. That's what we call it. Many of you in this room are regulars on that. We appreciate that. And then the Bible study Monday night at uh, at six. And I'm mentioning this on the air again because anybody can tune in. Amen. And the notes are available on our website at um, Lifespringak.com. And you can treat them like um, daily devotionals or it, 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 it is humbling for me to say this, but I will not back down from it. You're getting a Bible college education if you get off into those studies. I, can, I cannot even fathom myself sometimes what God's teaching us and what he's saying. And I look at the scripture and I go, how did I miss that for so many years? How did I not see that, you know? So I'm, my socks are being blessed off, and I'm, I believe yours will too. Amen? All right, we are in a, in a series of messages here at the church uh, that, here at Last Spring uh, Bible Church, that that's changing my life. It's altering me. It's called Altered, amen? We, we kind of did a little twist on the spelling of the word, altered, a biblical history of the altar in the Bible and in our lives, amen? We're on message four. And God has led me to title it, Choosing Your Battlefields. Choosing Your Battlefields. Now, before I say anything else, before I dive into the sermon, even standing over there this morning worshiping God, he was talking to me uh, about some things. And so I want to share those things with you. Um, I've, I've had some interesting conversations since the world has found itself in the dilemma it's in. I've heard all kinds of questions, and they're good questions. They're pertinent questions like, do I believe we're in the tribulation? The answer is absolutely not. This is too nice to be the tribulation. This is not the tribulation. Could it be a precursor? Yes, it could be. You know, a little warm-up. A little warm-up. I mean, look, it is when you look at all the news and you you look at all the stats and everything, it's ugly and it's bad, right? Not it's not like the tribulation. Don't, don't, don't go there. It's not like the tribulation. But but here's here's the thing I'm excited about in in the day and age in which we're living um, you know when you start hearing questions like that you start thinking a little bit about that what what it what I don't know what you think of I know what I think of I think of the rapture of the church I think of it I'm not about to to say anything to you about that I know when it's going to happen God's smart enough to know when it's going to happen and Jesus is even given the honor of knowing that to his father and he says, that's for the father to know. My return is for the father to know and he gives his father the honor of letting him say when. When is when, amen. Now, that's exciting to me and this series of messages excites me because of that. Now, now think about this with me. So, what, well, Pastor, where are you going with this? Well, have you ever thought about I wonder what, Father, I wonder what Jesus will find me doing when he comes to get me. What will I be doing when he busts through? And I call it, uh, please, I hope that I don't offend you this, but I call it a snatching of the church out of this world. I mean, when Jesus comes to snatch this church, the church... In the world, out of the world, and just makes it disappear like that, boom, what will I be doing? That makes the importance of this series of misevs go through the roof it 's more pertinent than you can your imagination has ever touched because if you're concerned I mean concerned about that, what is Jesus going to find you doing when he comes back to get you? Wouldn't it be nice if when he snatched you, he snatched you from an altar of prayer. A lot of peace comes to me when I think about that, you know. That's why I find myself talking to Father more and more and more and more and more in the name of Jesus. So that when he comes back to get me I'm not messing around. I'm not playing with the world. I'm too busy at the altars of God that we've built in my life. He and I together. Amen. And, and, and look, he's God, right? I mean, Jesus Christ, when he comes back, he knows where to go to get us. He knows where we're at, right? I want to be busy talking to God when he comes to get me. When Jesus comes to get me. I want to be busy talking to Father in the name of Jesus. Amen? I want to be busy talking to God. Now, with that in mind, we're we're going to move into message four, choosing your battlefields. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Wow, what a powerful passage of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and in a lot of other versions, what does it say? It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? Are you more familiar with that passage of Scripture? All right. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed and you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me declares the Lord. Now, let's talk a little bit about this because we, we don't really approach this passage of Scripture the way we should. This doesn't mean that no weapon will be formed against me. That a weapon won't be formed against me. It means it won't prosper. It will be formed every day. Weapons are formed against you. Every day, without fail, the world, the devil, you know, will form weapons against you. That's what those forces do. They form, they build, they design weapons against you. But this says that they No weapon that is fashioned against you. It doesn't say they won't be fashioned. It doesn't say they won't be built, designed and built. They just cannot succeed. They cannot succeed unless you allow them to. It's up to you and it's up to me what we want to do about them. Amen? You know what? These are just some of the things I like to talk to God about. I like to talk to him about them because here's, here's another thing. I saw this on Facebook. I can't believe I'm quoting Facebook, you know, but here I'm, I'm standing here quoting Facebook. You know, um, let, let, me, let, me, let me get back to that. I'll get back to that. I, I want to keep with this stream here. We'll get back to the Facebook thing. All right, look, look at this with me. Isaiah 54:17. no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. I can stop right there. Amen. And and I'm not twisting the word of God or adding anything to it or taking away anything from it by saying that it will not succeed as long as you don't let it. It's up, I mean, Father, if it's up to him, he's going to crush every one of them, right? Right? Now, what we're going to do today in the name of Jesus, with the Word of God, is we're going to move from. We've talked a lot about the altars, and we're moving in the direction of the day when we can be together around the altars of the church, right? We're going to boil it back down to the personal altars today that we are to build in our lives, because we can do that now, can't we? Being alone with Jesus should be pretty popular right about now, amen? It should be real popular, all right? So, in summary about this message, let me say this. What are we to do about our trials, our heartaches, our burdens, our challenges, the weapons that are formed against us, and on and on and on and on? Although many people try to bear them on their own. That is amazing to me. Although many people try to bear them on their own, Jesus has given us the solution in a passage on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to get to that. He says to go into, go into your closet. Don't get no more personal than that. You're in a room. Go into the inner room. He says, go into an inner room. Close the door and pray to our Father in heaven. All of us need to learn how to talk to the Lord in private about whatever concerns us. Whatever concerns us. And sometimes that inner room becomes our war room. Our war room as we fight our battles with sin, conflicts, decisions, difficulties, until we fully surrender in obedience to God. That's the place where where the battles fall. That's your war room. Amen? That's your war room. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's dwell there just for a little bit. Ephesians chapter 6 go to verse 10 Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 and 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 you know this verse of scripture it's just going to it's going to hit home with you it doesn't it can't miss this passage of scripture can't miss everybody has read this passage of scripture if you're in church here today you've read this passage right so watch Ephesians chapter 6 look at verse 11 or let's, let's back up to verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against some of the schemes of the devil. All of them. All of them. Not some of them. All of the schemes of the devil. Right? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Stop right there for a minute. Breathe a little bit. Do you ever find yourself talking to God about this passage of Scripture because you need to? You absolutely need to. It's a must. See, that here's. do you think for one minute that even if you go light on your prayer life, and even if, you know, you don't, do much in the name of Jesus to build on your relationship with Him, do you think you're going to be exempted from the fight? Are you going to be exempted from the battle? Look, look what does verse uh, 13 say? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to, to stand firm. Now, this isn't optional stuff here, right? I remember... Reading a, a a deal about a staff sergeant in uh, in Iraq, and a lot of um, a lot of army reservists were called up for that country out of america and so you had a lot of reservists showing up, and they would be in all of the gear that they had, and they'd be standing there getting inspected by the sergeant, and he'd be snatching stuff off of their uniform saying You don't need this. 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 You keep this. You keep this. You keep that. Why? Because one man who had been in battle knew what the other guy was going to need and what he wasn't going to need. And so he says to the guy, you should already know this. It's not rocket science. And the reserve is shot back, but but Sergeant, I am a rocket scientist. (laughs) I am a rocket scientist. But he didn't know what he needed to go into battle with. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You may think I'm trying to be funny, and I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, it may strike you as humorous. It may bring a smile to your face. But you would be shocked to know how many people show up to spiritual battle buck naked, buck naked, not realizing that something is terribly wrong, totally ill-prepared, ill-equipped not ready to fight a battle because they just don't put much thought into or prayer into putting on the whole armor of God. And they still think that, eh, it's not is there really a battle out there? Is there really a fight? That's what the devil wants you to, to think. That's what he wants you to believe. That's why he, he wants you to stay away from altars in your life to God. He wants you to stay away from the altars to God in your life, whether they be around here in public or whether they be in your closet at home. He does not want you to talk to God about these things. Amen? According to the Scripture, pertaining to the armor of God, matter of fact, let's just go on and keep reading here for for just a little bit. Go back to 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. How many of you agree that we're living in an evil day? Man, any time that the devil gets away with telling us brothers and sisters in Christ that we can't be close to one another, that's an evil day. And we got to get past this. Amen? And we will get past this. I do not mind uh, where we're at today as long as we're growing forward and looking to the day. And you know what? You're only going to get there through your prayer closet. God's not going to stop doing what's going on until God's people get on their knees. Amen? We got to get on our knees. Watch this with me. Stand therefore, verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In. All circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications to that end. Keep alert in all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So, what is the Word just tell me? I can't put those things on without prayer. I can't even stand a chance of laying my hands on it, you know? You know, it's like trying to wear clothes from the Gap without going to the Gap to get the clothes. You know what I'm saying? If you want to wear the fashions the Gap offers, you got to go there, right? Or you at least got to find a way to get to them. I don't care if it's mail order or whatever. You got to go through the processes to lay your hands on that fashion. Does that make sense? And for you to lay your hands on the armor of God, you have to go to the place where God has the armor. Amen? I used to ask my stepfather. Uh, He was mechanically minded. He was so gifted at working on things and building things. And he would bring out this tool. And the tool would be for the job. And he would do the job with it. And I'd say, where did you get that? And he would always say the same thing. I got it at the getting place. I got it at the getting place. Now, he was being kind to me. He knew I had no mechanical gifts at all, and it wouldn't do me any good for him to tell me where he got the thing, right? I don't have those kind of gifts, right? But my gifts lie in Jesus Christ. He helps me get the armor, and I can't get the armor unless I go to the prayer closet, unless I go to the altar to get the armor, right? You ask the average Christian, list the armor. And tell me what it's for. What does the Bible say it's for? And they can't do it. They can't do it. So no wonder the body of Christ in America was ill-prepared for the attack we're under. In America. Spiritually ill-prepared. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to, with God's help, to write the prescription that's going to cure and heal all this. Amen? And put things in the direction it's supposed to go in, right? So the helmet of salvation, if you put a helmet on, what does it protect in a battle? Your your head and and what is contained in your head. I hope sound judgment and thought life and thinking and all that kind of stuff, right? So the helmet of salvation protects our thinking, right? First point. Second point, the breastplate of righteousness. Listen to this. This is very important. Do you know we're created in the image of God, and we're subject to emotions? Am I right or wrong? Okay, so we're subject to emotions because God created us in His image. He has emotions. We know, and what are the ones, for for some reason, mankind is most familiar with God's emotion of anger. I I don't get it. You know, I do get it. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we're, we're pretty familiar that God can get angry. Why do we find that so easy to believe that God... Is not got those other emotions in his being also. You know, the ones that we consider good. Amen? The breastplate of righteousness guards our emotions. Number three, the girdle of truth allows us to walk in the light. Walk in the truth. Can you say amen? The girdle of truth allows us to walk in the light. You know, it's, you know, you ever find yourself looking at the body of Christ and kind of categorizing people in the body of Christ? And and down here you got people that are super dedicated and you got people down here that you wonder about. Be careful, because you can get judgmental. And if you get judgmental, you're not down here where you think you are. You're you're closer down to the other end. You know what I'm saying? But but just Walter and I were fellowshipping on our way into church this morning and we were we were talking about the difference between being judgmental and being fruit inspectors. Amen? There's a difference, and it's all about motivation, and what motivates us in God, right? You know? But the truth of the matter is, how in the world a person can call themselves a child of God? Not being judgmental. I'm just saying this is an observation. And not feed on the food that it takes to make a child grow. This is the food you feed a child of God to help them to grow. God give us a a fresh hunger. God give us a fresh desire for his word in our lives. I absolutely love teaching you the word of God. But I will tell you, as I have told you so often in the last year, if all you're getting is what I give you, you're spiritually malnourished. You know, there is a, a, a teacher that I, I can't even hold a candle to. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not on my schedule. I mean, I talk about being on the air for six to eight times a week, but that's nothing. The Holy Spirit's on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week, five days a year, and then throw another day in on leap year. The Holy Spirit's there. Amen? The Holy Spirit's there, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and the Holy Spirit will teach you, and the Holy Spirit will lead you, and he'll guide you and direct you. And he'll break down this book for you and feed it to you in little bites and pieces so that your life will change. Number four, our feet must be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen? I don't don't really have a lot to say about that. Number five, we are to take up the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, a sword is an object, right? Right? And what the Bible just told me when I read that passage of Scripture is uh, we're to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. You know, I'm I'm not going to bore you with the details, but when I was a a teenager uh, and my life hit the wall, I mean hit the wall at 60 miles per hour, and I was facing a whole lot of consequences in my life. And guess what? God let me face them all. He didn't... He did not cause one crop failure, not one. (laughs) You know, I would have liked at least one crop failure, but God held my hand through them all. God held my hand through them all. And one night when I was in so much pain, thinking about my life and the decisions I'd made, the choices I'd made, and the consequences I was living through, I, I said, I grabbed my Bible, and I, I said to God, I said, I don't believe in just being, open, being able to open the book and find an answer, but here goes. And I won't bore you with the details, but I, I opened the Bible, just opened it, okay? My Bible was not wore out, all right? It was like I just opened it, read a passage of Scripture, and I'm telling you it could not have been more word for word what I needed. Than, than, than I needed to have right right at that moment. Right at that moment, God knew, God said, you know, basically, He doesn't brag like that, but he, it's like almost if He was human, He'd say, I'll show you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll show you. And, and sure enough, opened up and, I, and I, I read it and I looked and I read it again and I had to read it again. I, I've never seen a passage of scripture at that point in my life that was so pertinent to what I was facing. And I knew exactly what I had to do. I knew exactly what I had to do. So we're to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Number six, we need the shield of faith to extinguish all of the enemy's flaming arrows. All of the enemy's flaming arrows. Amen? We need the shield of faith to extinguish all the enemy's flaming arrows. When I think of this, kind of mind-boggling to me. You know, sometimes we think we're pretty smart, right? We think we're, pretty, we're pretty, pretty bright, you know? How many of you have ever tried and failed? Blanket question. You've tried and you failed. That's what that Facebook page said. Many times when I try, I fail. But every time... I trust God. He succeeds. Every time I trust God, He succeeds. Amen? Number seven, finally, it says we need to pray all the time. You know, a lot of some of my outbursts to God, I, I just... Um, I've got to tell you so you know I'm not the only one and you're not the only one. Have you ever found yourself crying out to God and saying, oh, Father, forgive me for that? You caught a word or you caught a thought or whatever. And because you're so keenly aware that Father knows that you better talk to him about it. Just because you ignore it doesn't mean Father ignores it. Amen? Amen. And lots of times I find myself crying out to Father for help, forgiveness, grace once again. Amen? Still a form of prayer. I remember uh, a pastor in my life that was one of my mentors that I greatly admired. Um, We were talking about prayer, and I'm just a, you know, 19-year-old guy, and You know, I'm trying to learn about things in the ministry. I was an intern at Southside Assembly of God Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, Pastor Brown used to tell me uh, this story. He told it more than once, but now I'm 63. He's long gone to be with Jesus. I still remember it. He said, I'm driving down the road, and I'm pulling a U-Haul. And um, he said, I'm just driving down the road, and I'm not thinking about anything in particular. When I looked off to my left, and there's a U-Haul trailer pulling up beside me that looks just like the one I was pulling <laughs> down the road. His U-Haul trailer had come loose and was rolling down the road beside him on the highway, right? Now it's coming over into his lane, and he's got to hit the, the median, Right? He said, everything happened so fast. He said, my prayer went like this God help me, only it was much louder. <laughs> right? He said, that's it. That's all I had time to pray. Everything ended well. No damage, no scratches, no nothing. Everything came to a halt, rehooked back up, went off down the road. He said, my knees were knocking a little bit, but everything was fine. He said, all I knew was I needed this. He said, I knew I needed to go to God. I knew what I needed was help, and I knew who needed it. It was me. God help me. God help me. Amen. How many of you know that Satan is our enemy? He's a murderer. He's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's a schemer, he's a tempter, he's a destroyer. You can find those names for him in the Bible. Amen? But as believers, we don't have to become victims. You don't have to be a victim. God's given us the key to living in a manner that pleases and honors him. It's Jesus Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit and his written word. Amen? Amen? Those things, have you ever noticed that those things are final? They're final. Amen? Those things are final. The key to it is prayer. In the war room of prayer, we fight our battles on our knees, coming confidently into our, heart, into our uh, the throne room of our heavenly Father, sharing the innermost thoughts of our hearts. You can and you must speak to him about everything. You know what I loved about my little grandmother, McKinney? She weighed about 98 pounds, soaking wet. My brother and I used to uh, make lunch, and we'd go to work, and we'd meet at my grandmother McKinney's house, and she would put down iced tea, iced tea for us, and we'd take our little brown bag lunch, we'd eat, and we would pray, we would eat, and we would talk to grandmother McKinney. Now, looking back at it at 63 years old, I realized that there were many times we shot the stew out of her. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? But she never... Let us know it. She never let on that we shocked her at all. And she would be quiet, and she would listen to us, and she would only open her mouth and say what she knew was important if she knew she was speaking from him. Amen? Now, once again, my little brother was involved in a relationship with, uh, with a young lady that he just... You know, everyone in the world could see they didn't belong together but those two. They couldn't see it. They were the only ones, right? Now, we were all kind of getting concerned about them that, you know, he might marry this girl and not find out that it was a terrible mistake until it was too late. Now, my brother and I have talked about this story many times, and he's not going to be upset with me for saying it. It's not a secret, all right? And so don't be concerned about that. Catch the humor in what's about to unfold before your very eyes. One day, when we're talking about it, I'm getting frustrated with him, right? I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting short-tempered. I'm getting ill-tempered with him. Finally, little Grandma McKinney spoke up, and she said, Boy, don't you marry that girl, or you'll be like a lost ball in tall weeds, and they won't find you till they mow the grass. (laughs) Grandma McKinney, sage wisdom, amen? All right, we're going to get to this part here. In, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Let's go there. Have any of you ever felt like a lost ball in tall weeds? I have. Matthew chapter 6. Give you time to find it. You need to see it with your own eyes, Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. I love these letters in red. Amen? Jesus said, but when you pray. Say, say that with me. But when you pray. One more time. But when you pray. You know, in another part of the Bible, um, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, what, why do I have to pray? He said, I can show you in the Bible where Jesus said that God already has need of everything you have in that Scripture. He knows everything you have need of before you even ask. And I said, well, you're misquoting that Scripture because you're stopping too soon. Because right after that, the words Jesus said was, so, when you pray, when you pray, prayer is the key, Amen to unlocking the doors, to dropping the chains off of your life, to victory in the situation you're facing. We just kind of ride along in hope. Hope alone is worthless if it's not a bridge to faith. Amen? Jesus said here in verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. May God find us there when Jesus comes back to get us. Will there be any doubt or concern or fear or unbelief about you going in your own life if that's where you're living, at the altars of your life built to Him? Now, we're talking about Jesus, talking about the private altars in your life here, all right? The public altars, we talk so much about it, it amazes me and boggles my mind why people don't want to go to public altars. You know, why do you assume that everybody's going to assume that you're going down for a bad reason, that you're answering an altar call for a bad reason? I address that again, only for the 89th time, because we need to get past that. We're adult Christians, amen? We're grown-up Christians, right? And we need to come down and talk to God at an altar call at the altars before the Lord about everything. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, doesn't matter. He already knows what are you holding back for. You're embarrassed to look to God and say, Father, you know I have this need. Father, you know I fight this battle. Father, you know that, that I go through this in my life. Yeah, And he goes, yeah, let's talk about it. God, God wants to talk to you about it. Amen. I remember one day distinctly, knowing I needed to fast and pray about a matter. Mine's made up. I'm going down the road, and I pass by Wendy's. Listen to me. What are you laughing at? I ain't even got to the good part yet. Look at this with me. How many of you know they sell a honey butter chicken biscuit at Wendy's. Did you know that? And the thought crossed my mind. Whew, it drive through. And the Holy Spirit rose up on the inside of me. He doesn't say things like, I thought, I, I thought you were going to fast. You hear this word, no. The Holy Spirit doesn't talk like that. He doesn't talk like, I, I thought you were going to do this. The Holy Spirit doesn't. He just says no. He says yes and no, yay yeah or nay. Right? That's what the Holy Spirit says. So then I began to talk to Father about the name of Jesus. I didn't get nowhere near that drive through I didn't get nowhere near. When you start hearing your grandmother's voice and your grandmother says to you, don't talk with your mouth full. And the Holy Spirit reminds you that your grandmother said don't talk with your mouth full. When the Holy Spirit leads you to fast and to pray, don't try to talk with your mouth full. That's what the Holy Spirit cut through all the junk with that morning. You understand what I'm saying? When the Holy Spirit says fast and pray, you will never regret fasting and praying. When the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart and life, you will never regret it. That's where you find the power to obey God. It's where you find the power to trust He who never fails. He who always succeeds, God never tries and fails. Let's get out of that stinking thinking, amen? And let's get into this thinking where God never fails. God never fails, all right? Now, we're not talking about the altars of the church today. We're talking about this place where you as an individual have to go to get all powered up, amen? To get all built up. And you need to get built up to face what we're facing today. Amen? You need to understand what the road map looks like, what God's planning, what God's doing, how he's going to bring about the healing, how he's going to bring about restoration, how he's going to restore all that the locusts have eaten. Amen? All right. First of all, we have to remember that this place that Jesus is talking about is a private place. This is a you and him altar. All right? Jesus said to go into an inner room and close the door. If we're serious about finding a quiet area to be alone with the Lord in prayer, He'll guide you to one. Ask Him about it. Ask Him about it. He'll guide you to one. It may require a little creativity and adjustment on our part, but God wants to meet with with us, each of us privately, so we can develop an intimate relationship with Him. Don't stop thinking of Him as this God that is not touched by us. And it's such an amazing thing that He's such a great God that it's an individual relationship we're talking about here that He wants to build with just you. How many of you believe God created you? How many of you believe that He knows the sound of your voice? Convince yourself today with the help of the Holy Spirit that God loves to hear your voice directed to Him. It's just filled with faith. Why would you talk to a God you don't believe in? And if you don't talk to Him, do you really believe in Him? Is that not an important question? It is, isn't it? As we depend upon Him in faith, He works in our lives in ways we could never predict. Amen? Whatever He accomplishes in our lives is a result of the relationship we have with Him in that secluded place of prayer. Amen? This place, this quiet place, this is where our battles are fought. Not, not out there with an uncomfortable mask on and, or, you know, you know, out there in this world that's lost its mind. This world lost its mind. That's not where the battle is. That's not where the battlefield is. The battlefield is fought where the armor is found. And the armor is found at the altar of God. That's where the armor is found. That's where you get prepared so that you're not going out into other battlefields buck naked and unprepared. Amen? Every time we go through difficult situations or conflicts with people, we should bring our concerns to our Heavenly Father and engage Him in helping fight that battle. We need His guidance. We need His assistance. We need His wisdom to know how to respond and what to do. Do you really know what to do today without His help? I didn't have peace of mind or plan or, or real good solid direction until I got on my knees and talked to God about it. And He told me, you want this to be over with? You want this to change? You want, this is what you have to do. This is what you got to do. There will be times when no one else can help us. Think about this. Do you realize there are times when even you call me and you talk to me about what you're facing and, and I don't understand like God does? I mean, I want to help you. I want to pray for you. And I think you find the fact that, that Sister Ruth and I love to pray for you. And, and what I'm trying to say is we have no comprehension of what you're going through like he does. We should join with you in prayer, but you should make sure that you're not just depending on me and Sister Ruthie because alone we can't help you. There has to be a series of quality decisions made in your life about your relationship with God. Amen? As we humble ourselves before Him in worship, crying out to Him, He aids us in overcoming temptations and enduring trials. Isn't this getting old? Well, how how are we going to do it? We're going to do it in Christ you know god's help amen next point it's where we get our instructions for the day you ever thought about that how am i going to how am i going to respond today how am i going to react today what am i going to do today when i go to the lord in prayer and you know kicking it off in the morning is a great way to start your day amen in prayer the word right we never know what awaits us each day but god does God knows the agenda. (laughs) He knows the the whole unfold. He knows it all, right, ahead of time. If we start the day in a quiet place, surrendering ourselves to Him and asking for direction and strength for whatever lies ahead, He'll walk with us through the day as our companion, our guide, and our protector. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your, uh, He will make straight your paths. How many of you are on a crooked trail, and sometimes you can't see around the next curve? You don't know which facing? God straightens all that out. Whew. Clear vision, clarity of vision is one of the things that God provides to His children. Clarity of vision. He doesn't, you know, He doesn't have to leave you blind, and He doesn't choose to leave you blind. You, how many of you know God knows so many secret things? We're never, we're never going to be in the know of but God likes to reveal secrets to people He loves and that He has a relationship with. Amen? All right. The Lord promises to direct our path if we'll trust Him with all of our heart and acknowledge Him in all of our ways instead of relying on our own understanding, even our own understanding of the Scripture. I've talked to people before who've read Scriptures to me and they've taken a stand on a Scripture and I've asked them before. I've had to ask them, well, because I love them. Where did where, where, you get that? Where did you get that? Because that is not what that passage of Scripture says. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's amazing sometimes to, to hear some of the things that people believe about this book. And I have to break the news to them, you didn't get that from Father. Now, I'm not insulting. I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm just trying to say, I don't care if it's me, you, or whoever it is. Self-interpretation of the Word of God is not spiritually healthy. Amen? But on your part, but on the part of the Holy Spirit, can't go wrong. Amen? Next point, this uh, place of prayer is where we deal with our sins. We, meaning we invite God to deal with them. Amen? Amen? As we open His Word in our hearts before Him, we have an opportunity to confess our sins and ask Him to convict us of anything in our lives that is contrary to His desires for us. As we pray, we must give the Lord time. Listen to this. You've got to set aside time to hear from Him. Don't You can't rush, Father. All right? As we pray, we must give the Lord time to speak to our hearts. Sometimes he uses a passage of his word to convict and encourage and direct us. And at other times, his spirit communicates inaudibly with us in our hearts. Amen? He may even use, listen to this, we don't like this one. We we don't like this one. He may even use hardships and trials to get our attention. Got to use anything to his advantage. You know what? I don't want to be the kind of child that he's got to use those tactics on, though. God, help me reach the point where you can get through to me without that. Next point, it's where we develop an intimate relationship with the Lord. If we're too busy to spend uninterrupted time, uninterrupted time with Him in prayer, we won't grow deeper in our relationship with Him. That's what a lot of people are doing. They're wandering through life. So busy with the schedule and busy with paying the bills and busy, you know, and those are, those, is that not important? You'd say, and it is, it's important. It's it's better to live in a house with the lights on than the lights off, the electricity working than not working. It's easier to live in a house with others when you can put food on the table, you know. But trust me, you've heard the stories. I've learned, and I learned it the hard way. Set the table. God will put food on the table if he's got to make it appear himself. He'll do it. You can't. Oh, come on, Pastor. You know, no, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. I, I've had the experience. You know, I've had the experience of the last minute, knock on the door, while I'm in the middle of pitching a fit with God, angry with Him, because He didn't meet the need. I had the right to be angry because God didn't meet the need. And I'm about to have to face my little wife, who I told this morning, that everything's going to be okay, food will be on the table. And 15 minutes before she got home, knock on the door, God handed me groceries, and there's food on the table. And not only that, he said at 7 o'clock this morning when I drove by your house, when I was busy telling my wife, food's going to come. We're going to get food. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to get food. I'm going to go help God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to give God a hand here. I'm going to go find food, right? It was America and I didn't know where to go, what to do. I didn't have any idea, you know. And I found that the later in the day, the closer I got to realizing I'm not going to be able to put food on that table. But God, by the time he met the need 10 hours earlier, he met the need 10 hours earlier. God told that man, a man said, I was driving by here and I'm a regional manager for Little Admiral Food Store. And I go, God told me to bring food to your house. I hope this does not offend you. I want to go. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, I'm not offended, but I wept like a baby. I wept like a baby. There are times when we pray with others or together as a family, but it's only in our private times with the Lord that we come to know him intimately and have the freedom to honestly and openly share our hearts with the maker of the universe. This is the most important activity of our lives, communing and fellowshipping. Mm, Amen? Wow. Communing and fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus Christ or with our Father. Next point. It's where we get to lay down our burdens. It's where we lay down our burdens. God daily lifts our burdens, carries our concerns, and forgives our sins when we confess them. You know what that means? It means taking them to an altar. Take them to an altar. God doesn't just go around magically lifting them off of us. It's with purpose that he lifts them off of us. Amen? Next point. It's where we weep over our trials and our heartaches. When we go into our prayer room and cry out to God, he understands, and he mends broken hearts. He restores broken hearts. And if it's bad enough, he'll replace it. Amen? Now, this is so important. It's where we forgive others. That altar, that altar, that altar in our closet, that where we kneel by our bed, you know, in that quiet room. It's where we get busy forgiving others with God's help. The Lord not only forgives our sins, but helps us battle through our hurts So we can forgive others. Human nature is not real good at that on its own. Not real good at that on its own. Um, By jinkies, we can carry a grudge. We can carry a grudge. Matter of fact, we're pretty well practiced at it. You know. And only Jesus can change that. Amen. Last point. It's where we are strengthened. It's where we go into that quiet place with all of these weaknesses, all of these shortcomings in our lives, all of these things that are all messed up. And in our weakness, He is made strong in us. In our weaknesses. Why? Because God can come in by His Spirit and flood us. Amen. On the inside. And take care of those things. And we have nothing to brag about but Him. That's it. We have nothing to brag about but Him and His strength and His way of doing things and the way He thinks. And His knowledge, His understanding, His wisdom. That's all we've got to brag about. We can't brag about anything else. Amen? So, a few important takeaways here. And and we're done. So... Where do you have, where do you go to pray in private? Where do you go to pray in private? I hope you can answer that question. I don't need the answer to it. You need the answer to that. It's kind of like God in, in the, the Garden of Eden is calling out to Adam and Eve, where are you? He knew where they were. They didn't know where they were. They needed to answer the question for themselves about where they were, right? They needed to take responsibility and then let God heal that, deal with that, and provide for that, right? But where do you go to pray in private? It's that place you need. You need to know the answer to that question. If you have a specific place, how has it become? Now, think about this. And I should have made a whole point about this. Think about this with me, And God, help me to impress this upon you. This place we're talking about, because you meet with Him there, what does it become? It becomes a holy place. A holy place. Amen? You know, that's why I'm tempted to just slip my shoes off. Why? Because that's what the burning bush, God said through the burning bush to Moses, take, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground, right? You know why we don't have to take our shoes off today? We can, and maybe we should, but we're living in the church age. Jesus Christ has died on the cross for our sins, has been raised from the dead, and provision has been made for us to be in the presence of God. Amen? Even with shoes on. But does it hurt for you to symbolically remove your shoes in that place and just be barefoot before the Lord? Oh, it's holy ground. I'm telling you that that place where you meet with God is made holy by His presence, or He doesn't dwell there. Amen? If you haven't yet found a place, what can you do to find one? Well, you can talk to God about it. Amen? He'll show you. God's, God's a pretty smart guy, right? I mean, he's he's just loaded with this wisdom that we can't comprehend, right? And he'll point you out a place. And then when God tells you, I'll meet you there, you're better off than when you chose it on your own even. Amen? All right. Has a daily prayer time become a habitual pattern for you? You know, I learned in uh, my teenage years, you know, there's a few things that I... I learned in Bible college that have stuck with me. One of them is that it doesn't sound very spiritual, but it does describe human nature. It says, human nature sees change as loss, and it's followed by anger. Human nature sees change as loss, and it's followed by anger. Dwell on that for a minute, and, you know, nod your head. I've seen it proven to be true thousands of times over in my life, you know. But the other thing I learned was that anything you're willing to do 21 days straight in a row, you can do for the rest of your life. If a human, a human being will make up their mind 21 days in a row, I'm going to do this for 21 days, if you want to stick with it, it's much easier to stick with it after three weeks of doing it. Does that make sense? You know, It's not a good idea to walk into it thinking, well, I'll give it 30, 21 days, and if it doesn't work out for me, I'm moving on. No. But anything that even human nature sets its heart and mind on for, for three weeks, you can pretty much stick with it. Another one, I'm going to tell you right now is there really any good excuse in this world for not obeying the Lord on this? I can't think of one. I can't think of one. If so, so I said, has daily prayer time become your habitual pattern? If so, how has this practice benefited you and deepened your relationship with Christ? Only you can answer that. If you struggle with consistently meeting in private with the Lord, what's hindering you? What's hindering you? I, could I have uh, in any way laid this out differently to help you understand this isn't optional? God, help me if I failed you today in this. These lifestyle choices aren't optional. And God, they're they're just so much needed. He knows we need them. Amen? And then lastly, what can you do to overcome these obstacles? Let me think. Prayer, maybe, (laughs) in a quiet place every day. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? That's where you tackle obstacles in your life. On a daily basis. Have you ever woke up in the morning and thought, I don't want to get up. This bed is so comfortable. You know, if you have a job, that's not an option that you can exercise very often to where you don't have a job anymore all of a sudden, right? So, I guess what I'm saying is you wake up, you're awfully comfortable in bed, but we have a life to live, right? Unless you're ill, staying in bed all day is probably not a good idea, right? Okay, it's not a good idea. I'm not going to play with you. It's a bad idea, right? So what do you need to do? You need to get up. You need to get prepared to face your day, and that means spiritually. That means physically. That means getting dressed and not going out into the battlefields of this life buck naked. Amen? Amen. Don't go out there unprepared and then wonder why God lets all these things happen to little old me. Don't get prepared and then blame God. Classic. It's classic. Adam and Eve did everything they could to tell God, well, it's, you know, it's this one you gave me, this woman you gave me, you know. And she goes, well, no, it's the serpent. You know, he did this, he did that. And God just pronounced judgment on all of them. Not a single excuse caused any one of them to escape the judgment of God, the dealings of God, right? We can blame God all day long for all the stuff in our lives that we don't like or we're not comfortable with or we're not pleased with the way God did that, you know, and it ain't going to change anything for you. Things don't change until you go to battle. And you don't go to battle to you get on your knees before God. So, well, Brother Dennis, I have bad knees. Don't be ridiculous. It doesn't mean physically if you can't get on your knees, don't get on your knees. Go sit down somewhere before the Lord and get with Him and build an altar to Him in that place where you sit. Amen? Phew. Not rocket science, and you're not rocket scientists. <laughs> Amen? You're prayer warriors. Now, now let me tell you, I, I get, I get kind of mean sounding up here, don't I? I get kind of harsh. I get, I get hard. I understand that. I understand that. But I love you. Number one, I want God's best for you, number two. Amen? And uh, God's dealing with me just like he's dealing with you, right? But let's look at the positive side of this. Do you realize for a minute where God has placed you on this planet? He's placed you in a place where there were a whole lot of prayer warriors, they were brother Dennis. I don't get it. What do you mean? No, man. Look at what's happening in this world, and look at you know all the things that are going wrong in the Satan. I'm telling you, God's holding back the waves. God's holding back the water. God's beside us in the fire. Amen. Amen. He's He's with us. He's helping us even with all of the bad news out there. Alaska, my oldest granddaughter in Washington State the other day, where they've been preparing to bring their ministry to Alaska for the last, I don't know, nine months, ten months, maybe a year. Even my oldest granddaughter there, Hannah, said, you know what, so they're in Yakima, Washington, where thousands of people are sick. Thousands. They're a city with a population of Alaska and thousands of them are sick. You see what I'm saying? Hannah said, you know what? Let's just go to Alaska and get that move over with where things are going to be better. Even the 14 year old recognizes God's doing something in Alaska. So, so but the truth is can can we not improve can we not get better can we not get stronger in god can we not hear more from him can we not make sure that we're living a repentant lifestyle so that our prayers are not hindered so that god moves in alaska and god get god you know all of this is about god getting what he wants it's all about father getting what he wants amen I was born in the 1950s, and I'm telling you, things have changed since the 1950s. I grew up in America that appreciated everything God did, and I'm not the only one, right? And now people rebelling against God. They hate God, and a lot of people say, I don't believe in God, but for a God they don't believe in, they sure fight Him awfully hard, you know? A God that doesn't exist doesn't need to be fought in any fashion form or, or resist it in any fashion form or way, right? So having said all that, once again, I love you. Miss Ruthie loves you. Miss Ruthie and I want you to know we really appreciate my wife and I, that's why I'll call her instead of Miss Ruthie. My wife and I want you to know that we know you're praying for us. We know that. I'm I, I sat on the couch TV's off, I'm talking to God, and I'm recognizing what God is doing in little old bitty Lifespring Bible Church. Do you understand what God's doing in Lifespring Bible Church? Do you realize that compared to 90% of the churches in this city right now, you're sitting in a mega church? Do you hear what I'm saying? You're sitting in a mega church that's paying its bills. If you can't take care of business in a church, you don't got a church. If God's not providing for the business of the church to be taken care of, you can't afford the rent. You can't pay the bills. You can't do those things that are necessary to move forward. And yet, God's doing all those things. So stand up with me and let me pray for you. I've been closing too long. I didn't even have to look at Nathan to know that. I'm going to pray for you. Make sure you Don't let this day go by without spending some time on holy ground. Amen? Talk to the Lord. Don't let tomorrow morning pass without talking to Him, getting ready to face your day. Join us at 8 a.m. We're going to actually throw out another Scripture to live by. We're actually going to pray together again at 8 in the morning, if you're available. And if you're not and you're at work, I pray that you've already been to that place. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you once again for those holy places in our lives where we go to meet you. And if we haven't built those habits up, Father, or if we've been uh, lazy about it, forgive us, Father. Strengthen us by the power of your Spirit. Help us to know that great things await us in that place, in that room, at that altar where we can meet with you. And then we're talking about our private time together, Father. And those times when you want to hear our voice and you want to hear us talk to you about the things you already know. You you know the questions, you know the answers, you know the outcomes. Uh, Father, you just want to be with us, and I thank you for that. Here you are, the God of the universe, and you want to meet in a little room with me and hear my voice and talk to me about the things of my life that are important. Heal me, strengthen me, teach me your Word. Fill me with your Spirit to overflowing. So many of us need that, afresh and anew in our lives, Father. Father... Let us know. Let everyone in this room know the day of Pentecost was real. And what the Holy Ghost does, the Holy Ghost does. Doesn't matter whether people say it doesn't exist anymore or not. That doesn't matter. What's real is real. You're real, Father. Your spirit is real. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is real. Let everything else be a liar. In Jesus' name, your word is truth. Go with us as we depart from this place today. May we honor you with the lives that we're living, Father. May we talk to you about everything and worry about nothing. Cause your word, Father, to permeate from our lives towards others. Help us to love others through you with your help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen amen.